The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Won a bunch of World Series lately, so it's like, cry me a fuck. Can I curse? Emily Nyman of Breaking Balls Podcast. First of all, thanks for coming on my little podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, definitely. So I got to say, I was checking it out. It's awesome. You and John Snyder do an awesome job with it. I really like the uh, just the whole like the production value of it, what you guys do, the, the topics. the I love the intros, too, with like the flashback, a baseball highlight flashback at the beginning. So it's a really good touch, really nice touch. Thank you. I wish I could take credit for that. Uh, our producer is also my fiance, and uh, he's the one. Oh, there you go. Our first, when he was encouraging me to start the podcast, this was uh, last March, March 2020, and I was a little gun shy. I was nervous, and then he made the intro, and it was A-Rod's first home run, and into that the music and I was like, okay, I'll do the podcast. Like, like I was sold on the intro. Yeah, I was gonna say shout out to the producer because I think I think uh, when I shouted you guys out earlier, I think I followed him on Twitter and he followed back. But no, it's awesome. Everything that you guys are doing with it is great. So how'd you guys get started? Was it was it COVID last year? Yeah, it was just you know we were in lockdown and I had been I'd been thinking about doing a podcast, but I I was. When push came to shove, I was suddenly like scared to. And, you know, what if no one's going to listen? Blah, blah, blah. You know how it is. But I knew people would because people interact with me on Twitter. So I knew that like that same crowd was probably going to listen to this. But, you know, you started yours around the same time as me. It's scary when you first like you have yeah. the idea. But then when push comes to shove to actually sit down and record, it's like, oh shit, like this is actually kind of scary to do. Yeah, exactly. I know. And just recently, I started thinking maybe I'll do like live stream with like yards. Uh, what's it called? Yard stream, stream yard, whatever it's called. Do the live stuff online. So I did that last week for the first time. And I was like, okay, people are probably white, like watching me live. But I'm like, whatever, it's no big deal. But no, I totally get that. And yeah, with me, it was just I've always just wanted to talk with people in sports and around sports and whatever. So you know, I was like, I never even thought about it as a podcast until finally I was like, I've done like 50 of these. I guess it's a podcast now, <laughs> whatever. But, you know, after but, 50. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it was like 20, maybe it was less than that. But after a while, I was like, it's become a constant thing. So now I'm just always trying to talk with people, which is cool. But uh, no, yeah, like I said, Breaking Balls podcast, really awesome. Yeah. And I love, like I said, I love the just, all the segments are cool. The the what was it? The phone hotline. So, did you guys already know like going in that was kind of what your I guess brand or obviously baseball related, but just all the specific stuff that you were going to do with it, or did it kind of evolve as you went with it? It evolves. I mean, I did the first four episodes just me, and then I was concerned about because a lot of times I'll, I'll have like a stream of consciousness when I'm. Uh, ranting about something that I feel passionate about. So a lot of times I will like be thinking in the moment as I'm talking and I was worried that I was going to end up like looping back and talking about the same things because baseball, a lot of the stuff has to do with other stuff. So naturally it would go there. So I said to Daniel, or DJ Bingington, I said, I need someone else if I really want this to like go far. So then I asked my cousin John because he and I had been talking okay. for years about having podcasts and I, we know each other, we have chemistry already. I know that he's really funny and smart. So he was my first choice and it just evolved. This is just something, you know, it's just, a, it's a creative outlet for me and for him, yeah. for all of us, but also it's something that I, I've never tapped into this 
creativity of mine. I didn't really know that it existed because I it didn't have a form to come out in. So everything you see, it just it evolves like that. That we have our production meeting, we talk about what we're going to talk about. And um, but as far as the phone line, that was uh again the producer's idea, and I first didn't want to do it. Same reason I was like, no one's gonna call. And then um, we release our first episode, and we're driving somewhere, and I get an email. I'm like, oh my god, someone called the line. It was my mom. It was her cell phone. I, was, <laughs> I think I heard that. Yeah, yeah I was I like, I hey, whatever. Our first call, my mom. That's fine. But I was worried that it was only gonna be my mom. Like moving forward. Yeah, that's awesome. It's cool. It's got like a family triangle with your cousin. You said your fiance, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, I guess maybe that, that makes sense with the chemistry then because you guys are really good together. So really cool. But uh, I, I I support so many of like my friends' podcasts and people that are out there like you doing stuff like this. And I'm so bad about listening to others, but I support all of them. But no, it's really it really is awesome. I really want to check it out. I liked some of the stuff like I was kind of jumping around different episodes. Like one was about like dynasties, like what constitutes a dynasty or uh talking about the shift and just stuff like that so a lot of the hot topics or at least with the shift and the robo umps in baseball so uh and obviously have you been watching the i mean i'm sure you've been watching the playoffs right obviously i know the yankees are out but uh crazy brutal end to the dodgers giants game on thursday so yeah that was ugly i mean it's you know the saving grace is that sure like there couldn't be a better pitcher for that to happen in terms of he has such incredible command on the mound that it's not like, oh, the Giants got this guy on the ropes, like, and then they get the Dodgers get bailed out with that call to end the game. Like, and I don't want to say that Wilmer Flores definitely wouldn't have done anything after it, but it made it a slightly better that it's like, well, I mean, Chant, was he going to be the hero? I, I suppose that's possible, but it still sucked. I mean, true. And, yeah. This is going to be an unpopular opinion, but part of me feels bad for that umpire just because, like, these dis- these that's fair these calls are, are not premeditated. You know, it's like they have right. to make they have to make a decision, a definitive uh, decision on in a half a second. So it's easy to like look back on that and, and judge that, but it's like I can barely I can't even decide what I want to eat for dinner every day. Like I can't imagine having to be out there and being like, all right, this is my call. Like, so that guy, I mean, it's not as bad as what was the uh, umpire who blew uh, Gallegos's perfect game a few years ago or whatever. Yes. But, yeah. 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 But still this guy is not going to be able to live this one down for a while. At least the giants have won a bunch of world series lately. So I, I it's was... like, cry me a fuck. Can I curse? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Cry me a fucking river. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> my, my, my sympathy for giants fans lasted all of like two seconds. Uh, I know. I was thinking the same thing. Oh, I was pulling for the giants, but I was like, well, they've won three, so it's fine. But yeah, you know, it's funny too. I was going to say, like I saw the umpire he had uh it was like on Twitter just now I saw that he had said you know I he was like I couldn't really that's a, it's a hard call to make I saw what I saw and you're right they're all human they don't want to make a bad call and be vilified but you know I was gonna say too we we got that that's that box that strike zone box these days so when you're watching any game and I, I guess it's every broadcast now I haven't thought about it when I see it I don't think about it but it's cool to see it but I don't know if there's any broadcast now that doesn't have it but that just, it's great for the fans, but then it shows how egregious the calls are when they're bad. And then we just get mad as a result when we're like, oh, well, here's the box and here's the ball. That's not a strike or stuff like that. Yeah. And that has been the worst. I mean, it's great for the game in terms that it's going to, it's, 
it turns out the K zone is something that's going to end up making the game evolve as far as getting, you know, uh, electronic strike zones or whatever, but it does make it tough. I'm sure the umpire, it makes it tough for them because now everyone knows when they don't call a ball. Everyone knows when they don't call a strike, but I, I will get tuned up about balls and strikes constantly, but I always try to remind myself that we accept that professional hitters, you know, like the best hitters in the league, they, you know, they only get a hit where they have a batting average of between 250, 300 around there. So they're failing a lot. And that's true. The umpires are trying to do the same thing. They have to, they're trying to, they're getting fooled by pitches too. You know, if, if the catcher doesn't set up because the game is happening so fast. So we, we give the latitude to the hitters because we understand how difficult it is for them to identify pitches and square up a ball. But the umpires are essentially trying to do something similar. Obviously they're not trying to hit it with a stick like the hitters yeah. are, but they're trying to make an accurate call when someone's throwing 101 miles an hour and then pulling the string and throwing a 82 mile per hour off speed pitch, but the same release point, the same uh, arm slot. Like, so it's the game has evolved past umps. It's not their fault. You know, it's like some are worse than others. I try not to like target the umps specifically, but the game has just evolved past human eye calling balls and strikes. Yeah. I keep trying to think how, if they had like the robo umps or whatever, at least at home plate, I guess there's still a guy, a human back there, but they're not the ones that are in charge of trying to figure out was that a strike or a ball. So I guess that's how that would work. But I guess the I guess the manager wouldn't be able to argue with the ump anymore, or however that might work. Or I guess they wouldn't have to at that point. I don't know. Yeah, I mean at that point, there's nothing to argue because it's not subjective. Yeah anymore so it's like the batter is not going to be like excuse me that was a ball or whatever it's like no bro that was a computer the computer decided that was a strike and it was so but yeah i I suppose there will be an ump back there because they still need to make play calls at the plate and they need to and i'm sure they're going to keep track of the count i'm sure that the it's going to look the same like it's not like there's going to be like even though i kind of wish that there was going to be like a droid back there or something but it's not going to be that (laughs) probably and I guess, and I guess too, they got to make sure the teams like the Astros can't hack it or something, you know, <laughs> hack the uh, machine or whatever. But you guys were talking about the shift, so I know you were saying that if they were to basically quote unquote ban the shift, it's not going to have like that desired effect that people might think it would in terms of, I don't know, making the game supposedly like more exciting or this or that or whatever. So are you you're against banning the shift, right? Yeah, it's funny because that episode that you're talking about, that is from that was like episode four or something like that. And I've since I was a staunch anti banning the shift last year, but I've come around in that. And the reason I came around is because I love the DH. I wish that both leagues had it. I think it's a better brand of baseball. And at one time, that was a very controversial rule change that a lot of people were pissed off about and didn't want. So that gave me some perspective that, you know what, if the powers that be, not that they always make the best decisions, but if in the end, this is going, you know, the game, I'm still going to love the game. It's not going to change. Like, I forget on that episode, someone had called in to talk about or something like that. You know, there being lines and like a foul and they get deducted and all these crazy rules, but it's not going to be that. They're not going to have to do that. It's just going to say, oh, the off, you know, the infielder has to have their feet on the dirt or whatever like that. So it would seamlessly meld into the game. I think it would just be 
I don't think it's I don't think it's necessary, you know? Like I I wouldn't hate it, but I also don't really think that it's needed because the game evolves. Let it evolve. Mm-hmm. So let yeah, the defense exactly. evolve. Let the offense evolve. Exactly. That's what I always say. I'm like, you know, if you want to beat the shift, I know it's not so easy to say just hit it the other way or bunt or whatever, but I'm I'm kind of like, you know, figure out a way to beat it. But you're right, baseball always evolves. And, you know, I, I don't I might be wrong. I might be misremembering, but I feel like it was Joe Madden and the Rays. I feel like they would they would shift against Big Poppy and uh, Teixeira, like, you know, those guys. And then every and then all of a sudden it was every team doing it multiple times a day, you know, against every player or, or every team or whatever. So um, but yeah, I'm always kind of like let it let it let it evolve, let the teams, the, the game figure it out. You know, you talk about it's like a copycat league. You got if one team, if the Rays had won the World Series this year, I don't know how many teams would think, oh, we don't need to pay these guys. We can do this. <laughs> we can do that. The bullpens, you know, it's a copycat league. You know, it's true. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you're right about that, that the Rays were the first ones to really dabble because they are like the most experimental team for a lot of different reasons. They try to get a lot out of a little. And I, I think that that's what Teixeira, because the, the shift killed Teixeira, like the end of his career. So I really, and I didn't come up with this. Someone else had the opinion, but I can't remember. And I tend to agree with it that I feel like that's why the Yankees for so long didn't have any big power lefties. And it didn't make sense because the Yankee stadium was built for a power lefty. So like, why don't they have it? And I feel like maybe the organization was a little gun shy because of they paid all this money for Mark Teixeira. And then, I mean, they got their world series. So it's not like it was a bust or anything, but he was basically rendered not useless, but uh, he was hamstring for like the last few years of his career. So I think that they were like, I don't know if we should do that. And then they finally, when the game evolved a little bit and they started focusing on launch angle, that's when the Yankees were like, all right, let's get some lefties in here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so with the playoffs, so the, the final four of Houston, Boston, LA, Atlanta, are you rooting for the National League at this point? Um, I just, I am rooting for Boston to lose. This okay, is there. There's a there's an arbitrary I right. I mean, there's an arbitrary yet fine line where I'm not rooting for the Astros. I'm rooting for the Red Sox to lose, and I know that kind of sounds like the same thing, but it's not. There is a distinction I there, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, like I'm yeah. not going to be like, yeah, woo, Altuve, if he does something. I will still be a salty ass hater and I will just revel in any crushing defeats that either team faces during the series. Agreed. Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm rooting for the Braves at this point. So my my order is my order is Atlanta with Houston, Boston and L.A. in that order. But a a huge gap between Atlanta and Houston. The reason (laughs) I say Houston is only because I want Boston to lose and I don't want L.A. to win. And I don't even really hate the Dodgers. I I admire what they do. They, They spend, but they also develop players. But I just don't want them to win. And I think it would be funny, though, because I'm petty. I think it'd be funny if it was Houston over L.A. in the World Series and they beat him again. I think that'd be kind of funny. Yeah. Just for, the, I, just for everybody to go crazy. I would love that, too. See, that's how it is. When your team is out, you just want chaos and you want mm-hmm. another fan base to feel as shitty as you do. So if it has to be the Dodgers, then so be it. Exactly. I was telling my Cardinals friend, I said, I don't know what I would want more. I would want the Cardinals to either be horrible like the Pirates or to get close every year and then have their heart ripped out. <laughs> I think that would be more fun because then they could ex- experience that that heartbreak. So, I mean, I get that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a petty fan, I guess. I think I saw a tweet. I don't know when it was, but I think you said something about being petty, too. So I'm like, I get that. That's exactly me, yeah. especially in sports. Hell yeah. I mean... 
and especially since the Yankees have just been so embarrassingly bad or also have just lost in embarrassing fashion. And it's like, nothing can hurt me as badly as they can, but I will be petty because I am saltier than I've ever been as a Yankees fan. Yeah. So what's your, what's your take? So like, are you, are you pro Boone or what's your stance on Aaron Boone? You know, um, I, I was indifferent. If they decided to get rid of Boone, I wouldn't be like upset or I, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's a bad decision. But I also wouldn't be celebrating it yeah. either. I, I right. don't I I think that the the role of the manager it as far as like wins and losses, like their direct impact is not as great as a lot of people do. But and the guys like if Judge and, and Stanton and Cole like him, then I like him. You know, those are the best players on the team. If he keeps them happy and he keeps them performing well, then I don't care. I don't need him to scream in the players' faces. I don't need him to hang players out to dry during press conferences. And I get people like that, but I don't really like that or care for it too much. And so I don't have a problem with him not being like a live wire like some people do. I don't know how much of it. I know they say that Boone is not "quote unquote" Cashman's puppet or anything like that. But I also don't know how much is the analytics running the team and how much is it Boone's influence and whatever. So it's hard to say if it's all Boone. If it's, I think it's everybody: players, front office, manager. Obviously, it's a collaboration either way. But it's hard to say how much is it on Boone and how much is it on Cashman. What about Cashman? Do you feel that maybe he's run his course, being there for so long, and they haven't won now? They have won in the last what is it? 18 years or something like that. I mean, whatever years, however, whatever the math is. Uh, excuse you. It's been 12 years. Thank you very much. Please do not. Oh, I mean, I mean, 2009, including 09, though, including 09. I meant to say like that one in that. Yeah, I know. What is it? 2021 <laughs> minus. Yeah, you know, I know. Did not forget about 09, but yeah. But I, I mean, as a fan, I can see like, I don't know. This is going to sound very like company man ish, and I don't really mean to sound that way, but unfortunately, there is a, a side of this that isn't just about winning a World Series. So, I th- S- Cashman has been successful in that they've ne- they've literally never had a losing season yeah, since I, I was agree. six years old. I'm 35 yep. now, so right. there's a lot to be said for that, and I know that people don't care about that because as a fan, your expectations are at a certain level depending on how well your team does and historically. So Yankee fans don't care about that, but I think that we take for granted that we are like in the hunt at some point every single season. Even when people are like, oh, the Red Sox are going through rebuilding. This Yankees team has gone through some serious rebuilding years and they've still managed to be right there. Yeah, exactly. So not that that's, you know, it's not like we're getting t-shirts for over 500 and we're hanging up banners, but because of that, I don't see Cashman going anywhere. I mean, he's been, I would say, probably the most successful GM in the league as far as putting people in the seats and keeping the team competitive even when they're not meant to make a championship run. Yeah, no, I get that. It's kind of how I've always felt, too. I'm kind of, I guess, realistic. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I uh, I know a lot of people, especially in Twitter, this era of people who are just like instant reaction, instant gratification. But no, I get that for sure. It's... I, I kind of tend to side with, like you said, they've had 
a winning record every year or you see the results, even if it's not a World Series like like you would want it to be every year. They're still, like you said, in the hunt. In 2016, they did their little mini retool and in 17, they were right back. And if the luck goes their way, who knows? I totally get that. Based on this past season, obviously disappointing wild card game. But yeah, it was just it was just a weird year though with the offense. I know they made some changes with Marcus Thames and and Phil Nevin, and I don't know what Nevin was doing half the time with his sends, and I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck Nevin was thinking sometimes. I mean, <laughs> that is definitely a difficult job too. Like same thing, yeah. having to make yeah. decisions, but like he had more. We had more outs. We. The Yankees had more outs at home plate than any other team this year. So that's not a coincidence. And, you know, people can, they've been, people have been debating that send. I thought it was a bad send, but I can also see how it wasn't, you know, in that game. Like the Yankees were not really knocking on the door too much. So I, I can understand why he did that. But, it just was like the straw that broke the camel's back that in a vacuum, that one by itself isn't that bad. But when you have been watching like 160 games all season and it's like, this is just one of many now. This is now the playoff version of a shitty send. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a pattern. But yeah, you're saying you're, you said you're like 35, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be 33 in a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I just like you, I mean, I'm sure you definitely remember, of course, the fond Yankee teams of the late 90s, that core. This version of the team has not been that, but it's also, that's a high bar or a high pedestal. You know, that's that's that late 90s dynasty. And even into, I kind of consider it from 90, basically 96 into 03. I know in 01 they lost, and in 03 they had a really good year and, you know, came up short. But it was like after 03, they went out and got A-Rod. That's your guy, right? A-Rod. Yeah. But <laughs> 04 was a great, that was a really good year until, of course, the end, of course. But ever since like 04 and 09 was fantastic, 10 was really good. But it's just been like for a while now, it's just been kind of like a different. I don't know. You know, the team is just not quite what it was, obviously, but they're still competitive. And so it's kind of like, yeah, they're the Yankees. They should, they should be at the World Series almost every or every year. But it's like, it's also like a different time, too. Yeah. And I mean, they caught lightning in a bottle because think of they're not the 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 dynasty wasn't the only team that had you know four you know three or four future hall of famers on it i mean look at the braves the braves were absolutely stacked during the 90s and they have one world series to show for it so yeah and we see we're seeing that being repeated with the dodgers and even the astros that what we witnessed the Yankees do was something that is just, I don't know how they did it. And cause they weren't always the best team. Sometimes they got in on the, you know, they weren't always the division winner that through that stretch. So like it was just, everything fell into place for them, but that's why we've never seen anything like that again, despite the fact that there have been teams that are just as talented and have just as many all time that are going to be all time players on it. But it shows the randomness of the postseason and hold, like you said, holding teams to that standard where, well, why aren't they winning three World Series in a row? Like, we're never going to see that again, probably. I, I really probably don't think not. we are. Yeah, I thought, and Texas, we probably won't see a team like Texas lose two in a row oh, God, the way yeah. that they did to what, 2011. I mean, it's just, 
sometimes you just got to step back and be like, well, of course you want your team to win it all every year, every single year. The Dodgers are like maybe the closest example of a team that is at that step. And they've, you know, look at their struggles. They've lost, you know, they had the Houston Boston series and, uh, you know, they had, they, had little, they had their little cute little world series, world series last year, but <laughs> and maybe they'll get back this year, but I don't know. It's just, it's just, you have to have that luck on your side. And the Yankees had a, I mean, not just luck, obviously, but they definitely had some things that just went their way, bounced their way. And it never hurts to have Jeter in that core four back in the day on that side. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, and and the confidence that they had, too, because winning that 96 World Series and because there had been such a drought for the Yankees, I what was the last one before that? 78, I think, mm-hmm. when they won back to back, 77, 78. So, like, they were the shit. That instantly mm-hmm. put them into icon status. Jeter was like 23 years old. So like that, the confidence that they had going into then the rest of those years, it's just, it, it was just a moment in time that is something that because it's baseball, it's hard to explain how it happened. And because they're, like you said, there's other teams that are just as talented or whatever, but it doesn't seem to fall their way. And that's, that's base. That's baseball, Susan, as John Sterling would say. <laughs> exactly. Yep. I went to Jeter's Hall of Fame induction, and that was fucking awesome to finally get there. I, have you been to Cooperstown before? Oh, yeah. I went for uh, Griffey and Piazza's induction in 2016. Nice. Yeah, it was my first time. Finally got up there. I was trying to go last year. Like, literally the week of COVID, that weekend before that, I set up my plans, and then I was like, this isn't going to happen, I don't think. So I like that got canceled. And then this year, I was I was like, New Year's Day. I was like, let's do this. And then it, they were like, oh, it's going to be a private thing. And then they opened it back up to the public. So finally, I got up there. It was like a solo trip. It was awesome to see Jeter get inducted. But I was like, finally made it to Cooperstown because I had never been there before. But it's an awesome place. And it was great to finally, it was, it was great to see Jeter going in, also, which was also awesome. Yeah, I mean, that was like one of the best weekends of my life. Just because, mm-hmm. I mean, you saw how crazy it is. And yeah. this was before COVID. So yeah. there was no restrictions whatsoever. That That Clark Field or whatever where the ceremony is was packed jam-packed yeah and town in town was packed all weekend everyone like there's no traffic obviously they they shut it down so everyone could walk around and just everybody wants to talk about baseball i would be online for the bathroom in like the cooperstown beverage exchange and someone just starts talking to me about baseball and i was like this this is heaven this must be what heaven is oh i know it was so awesome it was also kind of I don't want to say stressful, but I was like, all right, I got to get to the induction site at like 9 a.m. so that I have a seat or, you know, I figure out my logistics, but it all worked out. It was awesome. But and the rains held off. Michael Jordan was there somewhere. I mean, I didn't see him in person, but he was there. It was just like a really cool, cool uh, scene. And obviously it was like finally got to see Jeter go in. But yeah, it was like maybe, I don't know, maybe 20,000 people. So a lot of people, but nothing close. So I heard Mariano I heard that I heard it was like a shit show just in in the sense of there's so many people, it was like probably 90,000 people. I can't even imagine. And that's in July. I got to go in September when it was like 70, not 100 degrees and even more people. So, oh my god, yeah, when we went it was in July and we didn't bring a camp like a chair, camping chairs to sit in. So friends of mine came and they set up their chairs. So they were like, oh, we have a spot because people go like the night before to set up their spot because you see all the rows of the seats or whatever. So we just sat on the ground for eight hours. They were playing like the same like Laurel and Hardy skit. They were playing like the same half hour worth of content over and over again. And 
we were sweating profusely. I had a tan line. So I was wearing like a racerback tank top. I have a picture at the hotel afterwards that there's just like a, a solid white strip down the center of my back. And then either side of my shoulder blades are just like beat red from sitting there for just hours and sweating profusely. But it was still fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was cool to just soak that all up. But I was like, finally got in here. Yeah, that was awesome just to finally see Jeter go in, like I said. And I can only imagine how crazy it is when it's hotter and there's just tons more people all over the place. Did they have the parade down Main Street this year? They did not. They did oh, not man. do it. You're going to have to go back. That was honestly, the be- that was my favorite part because when you're in the field for the ceremony, you know, we were probably a thousand people deep in the back. So, and right. I happened to be standing in the right place at the right time for the, the night before for the parade because all of a sudden I'm standing out in the street right in front of the Cooperstown Beverage Exchange. Like, you know, on Main Street where there's like that like a flagpole or something like in the middle of the road, it seems it was right in front of that. And all of a sudden the cops just like moved the barrier in front of me. So I was just up against the barrier and right there is where I think it was actually, what's his name? Gary Phillips, the broadcaster for the Orioles. He was on the microphone announcing as each player for like hall of famer came down in their truck and they would stop right in front of me. It was fucking amazing. Like I couldn't believe my luck. Actually, Randy Johnson took a picture like a selfie with the crowd behind him and I could see myself in it. I was like, oh my God, I'm on Randy Johnson's Instagram account. <laughs> That's what's up. I know. Yeah, I was, I was, when they, um, when they showed like pictures on, I don't know, what was the Instagram or whoever. And I was like, well, I'm somewhere in that background. I don't know. I can't see myself, but I know I'm in that. So you just have to and say confidently, really... there's me. That's me right there. You exactly. can't tell it's me. It's yeah, me. You can't see me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so awesome. And it was just finally like a bucket. But it was like a, I'm in Virginia, so it was like a seven hour drive. It was actually oh, wow. not bad at all, super easy. I was like, I could do this. I could come back easily in the next couple of days out of the week, like one year, just go up again. It'd be cool to do that. But we did that like two weeks later because it was too packed to go into the museum. Yeah. Like we were shoulder oh. to shoulder. So then a few weeks later, me and Daniel, we went back up, and uh, it was actually the day after A Rod's last game. We went to A Rod's last game at Yankee Stadium, and then drove up to Cooperstown the next day. But highly suggest. Yeah, I went to Jeter's, not his last game, his second to last game at Camden Yards. And it was crazy because, I mean, this is the Orioles. And I know that they're not what they were, you know, back in the Yankee-Oriole kind of rivalry, even in like 2012 when they were still both really good. But uh, it was, what, 2014? So it was like standing room only, Oriole fans chanting Jeter's name. I was like, how surreal is that? (laughs) Just, you know, you just, you don't see that. You don't see a Yankee getting any kind of like, you know, reaction like that on the road. And especially because he was booed everywhere his whole career, you know, but that's a sign. That's like a sign of respect in sports. You know, oh, they're yeah. booing the shit out of him because they know who he is. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's cheater and especially a, a division opponent like that. You know, these fans have watched 20 games a year, 19 games a year versus the Yankees. So like, and Jeter was around for so long and just such a, he transcended the game. People that don't know shit about baseball know who Derek Jeter is. So it's just, the, the tour was a little drawn out, uh, and I'm, I'll admit that, yeah. the, the retirement yeah. tour, but it was yeah. nice to see some of the uh, the ovations that he got. I think Chipper Jones is the first player I remember getting any kind of retirement tour. And once once that happened with, with Chipper and Jeter, I was like, well, that makes sense that Jeter would get one, but I just don't remember that ever happening before, before Chipper Jones anyway. No, I mean, because before, like, before the 90s, really, I guess maybe in the 80s, like, there weren't that many like superstars. I feel like, you know, obviously sport cause 
ESPN helped usher in that era, right? Where you have just like a 24 seven sports news channel and that didn't exist for a long time. So as soon as that became part of people's days where now they, they realize how much money there is in sports entertainment and, and media that now you have guys that have that celebrity status where they will go anywhere and they'll draw a crowd. Yeah, that's true. Before we close, I have to ask you, so how did your A-Rod fandom, I guess, kind of take off? Is it, was it just the fact that he was in New York or was there more to it? No, actually, when I was a kid, because when I was in elementary school, that's when Ken Griffey Jr. was the fucking man. You know, this is like yep. the 94 around there, 93. And I then, you know, I became a, I was a Mariners fan. I mean, I was eight, so. Okay. Yeah. And it was yeah. 1994, so how much of a Mariners fan could I really have been? But I yeah. knew enough to love Griffey, and that's when A-Rod was drafted and then was on the Mariners the next year, and I was in love with him. So from that, just from when I was a kid, I always loved him, and then obviously when he came to the Yankees, it was like one of the best days ever because that's always what I, I always wanted, so... It just I've just loved him since I was a kid, uh, even though he's goofy and he's stupid as hell sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you like him as a broadcaster, though? Oh, no, he's terrible. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. great as an analyst pre right. post game with, you know, the right. Fox guys. He's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Sharing the mic only on for an hour with four other people. But three hours when it's just him and Matt Vaskersian, like he just talks and I get it. They're filling time, filling airtime. But like he, you just want to reach through the TV and be like, shut the fuck up for 30 seconds. Like you don't have to say all this dumb shit. Let Matt Vaskersian talk. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I remember in 2016 when he was with a pre and post, played the Cubs Indians world series that, uh, people were, it seemed like people on Twitter were like, I love a He's great at this. But now you see him as a, as a broadcaster and people are like, Oh my God, I have to mute this. Going back to his playing days, I remember I was I was always defending him because everybody was always killing him for the, you know, the errors, the not coming up clutch and all that stuff. And I was like, they need him. They need this. They, they, they do need him to win. Like they can't win without him. And then they finally did no nine, you know, and obviously it was like after the steroid stuff came out. But I was like, well, maybe finally he'll play loose. He's like, he's not going to be maybe holding this in anymore did that did that crush you when that came out or were you just kind of like everybody was doing it anyway oh man i mean yeah well because like you said people, i was surprised people yeah i was surprised i mean um it was upsetting in that i, I it didn't as weird as this is it didn't like tarnish my view of him as a player or anything it was upsetting because like you said, I already had to defend him to people because people already hated him. So I remember seeing the Sports Illustrated cover and I was just like, fuck, defending A-Rod right. just got a lot more difficult. But I was up to the task, obviously, since I'm still doing it. <laughs> it's funny because I it was up until like 2014 for me when there was like that whole I think it was like him and the team were like doing that, that whole lawsuit thing. And he was. I don't know. I was like, all right, I cannot do this anymore. I can't defend A-Rod anymore. But I get it. Like, for the most of his, like, playing career, especially in New York, I was always, like, they need him, you know, just get let it, whatever, just chill out, basically. Yeah, and especially at that point, at the end, it's like, who cares? Like, who gives a shit? And I know people do, and whatever, that's fine. It's their prerogative, but, like... The A-Rod hate is so, like, played at this point. Like, especially now he's been retired for so long, and I get it. He puts himself in the spotlight. So 
but there's something, you know, he's, I don't want humble is not the word, but he's, he's, he can be self-deprecating now where he always had like a, a, a veneer up, you know, like this always trying, he wanted to be cool. He wanted to be that guy, but he's just not cool. You know, he's, he's supremely talented, but he's just not cool to his core. So like when he leaned into that a little bit and just leaned into his goofiness and his nerdiness and it's endearing to people and people that used to hate him are like, ah, eh, he's okay now. Who is your, uh, who's your final, I guess, world series prediction like just either champion or just the two teams that will get there i think it's going to be dodgers astros and i think the dodgers win i guess that would be a vindication for them and their fan base but god it'd be so funny if houston got there and beat them but i'm rooting for atlanta just to mix it up and just kind of be the underdog of the whole of the whole thing i guess but we'll see what happens yeah it'd be fun Emily, thanks for coming on at M. She does it on Twitter. It was really fun talking with you and you're a really great Twitter follow as well. Thank you. Yeah, this was awesome. Uh, I had a great time. I'll come on the show anytime. This is great. Yeah, definitely. It was great talking with you. Likewise.